I'm on. Good. I decided to preach a sermon tonight that I first preached at uh, Lifegate Baptist Church about 18 months ago, but I've kind of totally rewritten it, make it a bit more clear and coherent. So uh, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read verse 33. We heard this uh, read out on Sunday evening by Brother Josh. I think we all know it by heart. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is a command of the Lord Jesus. But there are two things he mentions previously that will hinder or prevent us from obeying this command. And first is that we should not lay up treasures for ourselves on earth. This will hinder us from seeking first the kingdom of God. And the other thing is anxiety. That is, as the Lord Jesus puts it, taking thought for our needs. He mentions three needs, food, drink and clothing. But with this command to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness comes this wonderful promise that if we do that, then all these other things shall be added unto us. So without further ado, we get into the first command is to not lay up treasures for ourselves upon the earth. And reading from... Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, the Bible reads, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. We are not to lay up treasures for ourselves upon the earth. Firstly, the treasures on earth are corruptible. Moths and rust can ruin them or they can be stolen. But rather, the Lord Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they cannot be ruined or stolen. The reason being is where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. That's what you'll serve rather than the Lord Jesus You'll serve your treasures on earth rather than serving the Lord, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He goes on to say that no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is just another word for riches or treasures or your money. In Ephesians 5 verse 4 it says that a covetous person is an idolater. You can worship your money and possessions. It takes your heart away from the Lord. 
We need to get our priorities right rather than desiring and seeking first temporal things. We should seek God and his righteousness and his will for our lives and trust him to provide for our needs. Because the Lord Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And this is where true treasures lie. Rust and moth cannot ruin them. Thieves can't break through and steal. So what the Lord Jesus is saying, use your money wisely. Use it to give to others, to the poor, to the needs of the church, to missionaries. That's the way you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I'm sure this church practices that, but uh, we need to be reminded that it's not in vain. We shouldn't be like the world seeking after our own needs. It doesn't mean that we should ease others and we be burdened, but we should be wise and prudent in the use of our money so that we have treasures in heaven when we go to be with the Lord. I use an illustration, a personal illustration. Before this, I came to this church, I had a treasure. And I had it as a treasure for many years. I built it up and I served it and I loved it. I loved music. I loved mainly classical music. And I built up an extensive CD collection and I built up an expensive hi-fi system. I went through about three different versions of a hi-fi system. But then the Lord began dealing with me about my treasure. Power surges began to damage or destroy parts of my hi-fi system. I knew it was the Lord dealing with me because it happened so many times, so many different parts of my hi-fi system, that I knew it was the Lord. It couldn't be anything else. It happened three or four times. It had to be the Lord, so I began to seek the Lord. I was virtually backslidden, and I began to seek a church to belong to, and I eventually wound up here. And uh, I've still got my hi-fi system, but I don't use it anymore, and I'd rather get rid of it. And I was talking to a friend, and he said, don't get rid of it, it might be worth money. He looked up on eBay, and this old stuff is worth money. I could probably get about $6,000 in total for it if I wanted to go through all the hassle, but I don't really want to. So these are things that can sidetrack you from seeking first the kingdom of God. Yours mightn't be a hi-fi system. It might be your house or your car. It might be the need to upgrade your iPhone every year or something like that or your Android phone. So we shouldn't be seeking to lay up treasures on earth. We should live simply. We shouldn't have that many great needs we should be giving to the work of the Lord and laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Because if we don't, we, we won't be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The next point I'd like to go on to is the Lord's warning against anxiety. As the Lord puts it, take no thought for your life. Many translations say that is, don't give anxious thought to your life. 
what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. Lord Jesus says, is not life more than meat and the body than raiment, that is, clothes? The Lord uses three illustrations showing the futility of being anxious. The first illustration is the fowls of the air. In a parallel passage in Luke, it calls them ravens. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. The Lord looks after the ravens. To us that be the crows. They're unclean animals, but God looks after them. He feeds them. So if the Lord Jesus died for us, shed his blood for us, became sin for us, how will he not feed us? We should trust God to provide for our needs. The other illustration is, how can you add to your stature? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? In the parallel passage in Luke chapter 12, if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? The Lord says, if you can be anxious and worried about something and increase your stature by a cubit, a cubit is about 40 to 45 centimetres, which is about from the elbow of a man to his fingertips. If you can't increase your height by that much, why are you taking thought for the rest? I heard of a story of a Queensland barrister who went to Russia for an experimental procedure to increase her height. She later became a Logan counsellor. Her name was Hanginal Ban. In 2001 she went for this procedure and she managed to increase her height by eight centimetres, which is well below 45 centimetres. So really God is not impressed by man's efforts to increase their stature. The other illustration the Lord Jesus uses is consider the lilies of the field. They're gorgeously apparelled in their petals and all this. Consider how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The point being is that the grass of the field the flowers, they only live for a short time. Today they flourish, tomorrow they die, they're cast into the oven. If the Lord God takes care of the flowers, which live for a short time, he'll look after us because we have eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus encourages us to have faith. In Matthew 6, verse 30, he says... O ye of little faith, where's your faith? The Lord God encourages us to have faith. The reason being that worry and anxiety weakens our faith. The greater our faith, the less would be our anxiety about what to eat, what to drink, what to put on, and other needs. The basic reason is, Lord Jesus says, your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. The reason we worry sometimes is because we don't believe that God cares for us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, a very familiar passage, be careful for nothing. We should pray, make our supplications to God with thanksgiving for what he's already done for us, not expressing dissatisfaction with God. We should let our requests be made known unto God and we shall have peace, the peace that passes all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We shall have peace and rest from anxiety through casting all our cares upon him, knowing that he cares for us and we'll have his peace, peace of mind and heart. So anxiety can't come on us about trying to meet our basic needs, food and drink and clothing and other things. Pay our rent, pay our mortgage, pay for a car, pay petrol, everything else. But there is a healthy or realistic anxiety which the Bible does not forbid or condemn. For example, Paul had a healthy concern for the churches. He wrote of all his sufferings in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He went through all those sufferings without anxiety. Then he goes on to say, Beside those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. This is the care and concern of the churches. It was a healthy, realistic concern. Paul also writes about Timothy in Philippians. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Here we see also that Timothy had a natural care for the Philippian church. Anxiety only becomes wrong when it turns into fret or worry. When we turn from God and our faith in him and shift the burdens of life onto ourselves and show by our words and our actions that we are taking full responsibility for handling our own problems, meeting our own needs all by ourselves without taking God into consideration. But if we go back to Matthew 6.33, that if we have faith in God, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto us. Obviously, we need wisdom and discernment in decision-making. When to solve a problem ourselves, with our own intelligence, with the wisdom God gives us. And then we should know when it is to have faith in God and wait for his guidance and for his providence. Excessive worry can paralyse us and destroy our faith. When we become fretful and worried, impatience also comes in. People who are worried and fretting about things want their needs met quickly and their problems solved yesterday. Sometimes we need to wait for God's perfect timing. Even though we've got faith, even though God's promises, the word of God, sometimes God just wants us to wait for his perfect timing. Often in a problem or a need, when a saint has done everything they can possibly think of to do, to solve a problem or to meet a need, sitting still and waiting for God 
is probably the wisest thing to do. It's probably the hardest thing to do, waiting for God's perfect timing. An example of that is Abraham and Sarah. They wanted badly a son of promise, but God required them to wait for 25 years, I think it was, before they received the promise. So as we said before, fretfulness and worry won't solve anything. It only make things worse. It'll destroy our faith. I'll just tell a story about a man who once told his wife to stop worrying about everything, to which he replied, of course I've got to worry. The things I worry about never happen. So we might think that worrying about things might cause them to solve themselves, they, that the things will never happen. But in truth, only faith in God will see our needs met and uh, for us to have peace of mind and heart. Now I'll just get on to my last point. As I said before, we are commanded to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? We've seen these two things that will prevent us from seeking first the kingdom of God. Covetousness, laying up treasures for ourselves, love of money is one. The other thing is the anxiety when it becomes fretfulness and worry. But we should realise that we need to get our priorities right. The priority is, first of all, we need to make sure that we're saved. We enter into the present spiritual aspect of the kingdom of God when we are born again of the Holy Spirit, having repented of our sins and having believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour. That's the entry into the kingdom of God. Then we get into the kingdom of God, then we should seek to know the Lord Jesus, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's Colossians 2 verse 3. As Brother Josh said on Sunday evening, we get to know the Lord Jesus through his word. Therefore we must spend time in studying the Bible for ourselves not being spoon-fed. We should grow up not just trusting in the preacher to teach us. We should be feeding ourselves, not having the milk of the word. We should have the meat of the word. We should be weaned off the milk and onto the solid meat of the word. And for some, this will mean going to the Bible Institute. And I encourage those who want to know the Word of God thoroughly to go to the Bible Institute. The next thing I believe seeking first the Kingdom of God means is that we should seek God's will for our lives. This will the Lord will be revealed to us as we seek God in prayer and meditating in the Bible. By obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit, when a door opens, for an area of service and ministry, we go through it. Or it might mean following godly counsel. I believe God's will often comes about by us finding out what our spiritual gifts are. 
and seeking to be used to them in some area of ministry. I often believe that God's will and power comes through our own brokenness, our realising that we are frail, weak creatures because you won't be able to successfully serve God without the power of his Holy Spirit. And as Brother Gideon preached last Wednesday, we have Christ within us, the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and we should let it come out. But we can't let it come out until God has broken us. An illustration of brokenness is seen in the story of Gideon and his 300 men who routed the Midianite camp. They surrounded it and they had their trumpets in one hand, earthen pitchers and their lamps in the other hand and they blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers, that is their earthen vessels and they shouted out the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and they caused fear and panic among the Midianites. They did that by letting the light and power of God shine out, symbolic in the, in the lamps that were shining, that were revealed by them breaking their pitchers or earthen vessels. One of my favourite scriptures is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And I believe only through brokenness can that excellency of the power come out in our areas of service and ministry. And finally, I also believe that seeking the first the kingdom of God means that we should seek to see souls saved. The Great Commission, as given in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, has never been revoked. And we should do all out in our power to see souls saved. And if we can't be on the mission field, we should support the missionaries. If we can't be evangelists, we should support the, the evangelists in the church. So I come to my conclusion. I repeat what I started off, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As I said, there are two main things that will hinder us from seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is covetousness, laying up treasures for ourselves upon the earth. Because where your treasure is, that's what you're going to serve. And you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and your treasure or mammon. The second thing is anxiety. Anxiety will paralyse our faith, turn us away from seeking God. We'll be seeking to, to meet our own needs ourselves, such as food and drink and clothing. As I said, there is a healthy or realistic anxiety that the Bible does not forbid or condemn when it shows as a healthy concern for our own or others' welfare. Anxiety only becomes sin when it displays as fret and worry. 
It shows we don't have faith in God, his, in his sovereignty, his power, his care for us, his knowing what we need or his ability to provide for us according to his word. We should get our priorities right because if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will take care of themselves. And as he says finally in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 6, take therefore no thought, no fretful worried thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We've got enough trouble today without worrying about tomorrow. We shouldn't fret and worry about tomorrow, what's going to happen, what's going to happen in this pandemic, what's going to happen to the economy, how we're going to meet our own needs, food and drink and clothing, our rent, pay for petrol, worrying and fretful about what, the way the world's going, about them talking about the new world order. So we should just trust God and believe in him that he has everything under control and just continue seeking God and his kingdom. i just close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word of God. Help me, Lord, in my own areas of need. Help me, Lord, to uh, die to self, die to covetousness and anxiety that exhibits itself as fret and worry. I trust in you, Lord. I pray for the people here present that uh, you'd help them in their own personal needs. Help them, Lord, to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, realising that all these other things would work themselves out, that you'll provide for them, even though sometimes you, need, you require them to wait. Help us, Lord, to, to uh, wait upon you, trusting in you to meet our needs. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.